You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards from Denver, Colorado. And I'm Matt Duncan out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And uh, we thrive on the support of our listeners, so find out how you can help us out at sunriserobot.net slash support. All right, welcome to episode 33 of Bits and Pieces, and we're going to run it a little differently today. Instead of having sort of a news roundup before we get into uh, random topics, we're going to just focus on our appreciation of music and uh, some landmark tunes in our in our life of listening and creating music. Um, but before that, a, a little YouTube adventure. <laughs> yeah, so um, I don't get a lot of comments on my music. Um, so every time I do get a comment, I'm like, hey, cool, somebody noticed something I did. Now let's see if it's positive or negative or neutral. And lots of times it's just confusing, like none of the three. <laughs> um, this is one of those cases. Um, so I, uh, some time ago, I just wanted to test my camera, the 60 frames per second mode on my camera. So I recorded a short little tune, um, that was originally from the Astray, which was itself based on a longer song from the Astray. So you got icicles and that turned into letter I, which is just like 30 or 30 seconds, one minute guitar playing that really simple stuff. And very minimalistic. So there's nothing really special to it and nothing special to the video. I just did it because I wanted to check the camera. Mm -hmm. So um, now I got this comment here. Um, I'm just going to read it. I played these chords and thought I struck gold until I heard the song a few days later in a YouTube ad. El Mao. Don't you hate it when you play something from your subconscious and think it's your own? Nice playing. So there are two aspects to this comment. Let me first comment on the first one of it. Um, until I heard the song a few days later in a YouTube ad, I asked him which song he was referring to because I couldn't believe he meant my song in that video. And he actually confirmed that he was referring to the song I was playing. And later on, uh, once again, stated that he was definitely sure he heard the song before. And I'm pretty sure that I never licensed the song to any advertisers before. Otherwise, I would have told so on this um, podcast because that we would have a licensing experience to share. But no, I'm pretty sure this song couldn't have been played in a YouTube ad. And I'm pretty sure he has never heard it, could have heard it before. And the just the, the, the knowing, the, the way he comments about it, just so knowing, like, don't you hate it when this thing that I'm saying happened, happened? And you're like, yeah. I'm not sure we agree yet that what you're saying is what happened. Right. So, but, but let's, let's leave that first part out that, um, he couldn't have heard the song because it was my song and it was written in 2011. But anyway, <laughs> so, um, the second part, don't you hate it when you play something from your subconscious and think it's your own? So that on its own. Yeah. I mean, we've all had that before. Like we, we played a melody or something and it's like, ah, damn it. It's the chorus from this song and now I can't use it. Yeah. Well, it's different with chords. And I actually commented on that as well saying like, there's more to a song than just it's chords. And, um, especially with this song, it's just four chords. There's nothing special. They're not suspended. They don't have any sevenths in there or any, yeah. anything special. Those are like very simple four chords. There are a million songs with those four chords, of course, <laughs> but 
that shouldn't stop you from writing the tunes you want to write. Um, we, we talked about this earlier where, um, where I said that I don't want to repeat myself and in the same way, like I don't want to repeat anybody else, but come on, it's just chords. Yeah. It's not a melody. Well, and it's sort of like, oh, you wrote a movie that had a, a three act structure and there were characters in yeah. it. Like I've heard that one before. Like, yeah. Having there structural similarities is different than like blindly copying. Right. Yeah. As I said, I don't get a lot of comments, but usually it's those comments. Well, for our main swath of topics today, we want to just get into why we listen to music. And uh, especially, I hope, to we just get to sharing some of our favorite tunes of all time, um, in addition to our pick of the week, which we'll save for the end of the episode. Um, but I kind of just wanted to start off with just sort of a, a broad question of why do you listen to music and, and what do you get out of it? I remember a time in college, there was one of my, my uh, acquaintances or, or you know, loosely a friend, um, he, he did not listen to music and he was baffled by this. And he was like, why does everyone love music? Why do, why do people listen to it? Why do they get something out of it? And, uh, I mean, there was some other things going on with this guy's life. He was actually kind of depressed and there were, um, were, were some other struggles going on, but music was not something he connected with, which, um, you know, in times of my life, um, when I have been depressed, music has been very helpful or useful or something that I cling to. But, you know, what would you say to someone who's like, why? Why do you listen to music? What's the point of it? Um, and I thought we could start off there before we get into sharing some some songs that have meant a lot to us. It was really hard for me to pinpoint exactly a reason. I don't really have, I, I wouldn't say it's like a reason I listen to music. It's just things that cost me to listen to music and listen to more music and eventually create music. I think that's what I mostly thought about when I thought about this question, like what actually led me to also create music. Because usually what I listen to kind of inspired me to do my own thing. I think it's one big thing of, um, hey, this sounds great. I want to do something like that as well. And I think a lot of hobbies and arts are spawned from that. So um, I I kind of, I would say I, cre- I wouldn't say I created music, but I played a little bit of keyboard and toy keyboard and played around with notes and all that before really actively listening to any music. So it was it's almost like I, I made music before I listened to music. But then of course I had some phases like everybody does. They had this phase where I was just preteen and I listened to this typical pop stuff that was uh yeah, popular in the nineties at the time. Then uh, came the teenage years, everything was angsty and edgy and had to have distorted <laughs> guitars. You know, the, the Linkin Park face, of course, so I can't <laughs> deny that. Um, and then afterwards, you like serious up and we're like, no, now I'm, I want to be like the grown ups and listen to other stuff. And um, unconnected with that, I, I kind of discovered the music that was happening before my time, my, my interest in the 80s music. And then afterwards, it just spread like wildfire, like in every direction. There was ev- everywhere I was. And, um, but I think what I mostly always got out of music for me, um, was analyzing it. And, um, I noted down here, like the, the music has so many spectrums. And I think the most in- interesting spectrum for me is the one between, um, simplicity and complexity. If you have everything else fixed, uh, like, it's the same key, it's the same topic, lyric-wise, like instrumentation. Just having simplicity and complexity in contrast is, for me, the most interesting aspect. And 
sometimes I get too cold and analytic about music. So um, every once in a while, I just lay back and think, I don't, I don't want to think about this song now. I just want, want, it, want the song to happen to me. And this is like yeah. the other pleasure I derive from music, where I just listen to it and let myself like get carried away and uh, yeah, soothe my emotions sometimes. Yeah, I, I would agree with pretty much everything you've said and uh, add some color from my own side. Um, music has always been, for me, tied really closely to some of that, what you were getting at with being carried away or being um, immersed in something else, something other, um, something whether I made it or someone else made it, you kind of get, get transported. And, uh, for me, it's, it's tied very much to emotion and expression. And, uh, maybe, you know, I love films and I love visual art. Um, I, it's not that I don't like those things, but something about music feels more immersive to me. And some of the best films of all time use music to draw you into a very, very complex, um, expression. So obviously these things can add, sometimes but um you know in in my day-to-day life i'm kind of snarky i'm kind of sarcastic and snippy and my twitter feed is full of jokes but um (laughs) at heart um music is is a very close to my heart it's a place i go to when i want to create or i want to try to understand or, or get inside the head of someone else and uh you know, I think some of this comes from, I grew up in a very religious home. Um, I think a very open and loving and uh, open-minded and supportive and like, you know, a, a good example of that. Um, but, you know, that shaped some of how I approach music where I feel like I go to music to, to you know, can someone articulate or explain um, these desires I have or these hopes or these fears um, can, can, are, are other people experiencing these too? How do they describe them? How do they deal with them? And not that you, you have to be religious to have those thoughts or feelings or want to answer those questions, but I think it was informed, um, growing up and, you know, across all genres, um, I found myself kind of being drawn to music that is really good at tackling questions and, you know, not that I, not that music's like a philosophical thing necessarily. Sometimes it's just a feeling thing or just a mood thing. And not that music has to answer something. Um, sometimes it's just expressing. Um, but, you know, just all of this kind of plays into, it's kind of a very serious reason to go to music. And there's, there's completely other valid. I listen to happy music. I listen to festive party music. Like that's all there too. Um, but the stuff that really gets me tends to be more melancholy, more introspective and, uh, tries to draw you in. And I guess on the creation side, music has also been a a way for me to immerse myself in something that isn't just the real world that's around me. Um, and I, I just have fond memories in early junior high and high school when I discovered, uh, the software cakewalk, which would let me click MIDI notes and it was the first tool I had other than real instruments where I could try to get stuff out of my head that my hands weren't good enough to play yet. And so I would have ideas for crazy layered melodies, very fast piano playing, like, you know, real c- composers might see it as kind of juvenile because I was 12 and I <laughs> had no training, <laughs> but I was able to 
create beyond myself something that I couldn't play. And that was very liberating to, to be able to do crazy things in MIDI. And uh, so that's sort of the background of why I love music. So with all those feels in play, I thought we could just uh, share some of our most favorite and, and songs that have been really important to us, whether in the past or right now. And, uh, you know, important is a uh, intentionally left vague, whatever you that means to you, um, whether it was from a time in your life that a lot was going on or just a song that is just so beautiful, you can't help but love it. Um, do, do you want to start with yours? So I, I picked four songs that are very different in a sense, and they, they kind of point to the, the various directions with, which I've listened to in the past and still listen to sometimes, um, although I've, I've kind of left some directions of those. Um, but we get to that. So one of those, I, I think I've mentioned them a lot of time on this show, but um, one of my greatest inspirations, of course, and who listens to my music will know is that uh, I listen to a lot of Deepesh Mode. Now, good a friend of mine, Michael, who sat as a guest on this show once, um, brought me to listen to Deepesh Mode. And I think my favorite album still is uh, A Broken Frame because it's just so melancholy. It's so many melodies. It's so calm and um, so focused in a way but also kind of blurred out and it's, it's hard to describe it's it's kind of sparked my journey into like 80s dark wave and all that so let's just have a very short sample of sun of the rainfall So the whole sound, like the atmosphere and the synth sound especially, are kind of like a blueprint to a lot of my songs, especially the synths being like those little decaying blips of sound somewhere in the background with a lot of reverb on them. I think I have one of those in every song I make. So uh, <laughs> definitely it has shaped a lot of the, the sounds I have in my head when I come up with a song. Then I've also mentioned them in a lot of in, a lot in the show. Um, I've listened extensively, extensively to Guar for some time. So I, uh, as I said, I played keyboard, like toy keyboard when I was really young. Then I joined a music school for a year, but I didn't like the songs that were being played, but I still learned a lot of keyboard and piano there. And then I dropped making music altogether for a few years. And then at 14 about, I picked up the guitar because I wanted to, to play some heavy metal and I wanted to play some guar. <laughs> and uh, to this day, a lot of my guitar playing is kind of shaped by them, the way they play things, because it was just my first exposure to actually playing guitar myself. And now guar is this thing where underneath there, the comic outside there, they're just layers of, of interesting emotions that, I mean, I was... It was my late teens somewhere uh, where there still was a bit of this angsty and edginess left. But <laughs> still, I mean, now I, I can listen to those and see there's a lot of misery and hopelessness being displayed in their songs, which, of course, is very otherworldly displayed by them. But um, there's still something to be found in there for me. And also their compositions are still very solid and challenging. Like they, they are not they don't make simple. They don't make simple music. 
And so let's just have a little sample of Gore. And I, I made sure that this is a sample that's just screaming and everything. So uh, <laughs> you don't have to turn down just because of this sample right now. So as I said, like I, I, I think I can still play all the songs that I learned back then from by heart, just because I played them exclusively. Almost like I bought this one guitar that I still have, my Explorer, and I was like, when I have this guitar, I'm only going to play Gwar songs on that guitar. <laughs> and uh, also the reason why I still tune one of my guitars one step lower than uh, than standard tuning, just because of them, just because I will always be able to play those songs. Yeah, like after Gwar, it kind of went into a very experimental direction and uh, in the indie direction, independent direction. Independent is always a strange genre. We <laughs> talked about this. Um, and so at one point, I, of course, came across Animal Collective, like anybody who listens to this kind of stuff. And um, there's this song Fireworks from the album Strawberry Jam that I just love to death. It's it's a very repetitive song with a very minimalistic instrumentation and a very shuffling rhythm. And Annual Collective like helped me get from this point where I said, you can do that in a song to let me do that in a song. Like, there, there were no boundaries anymore. Like I Before that, I had those rules like, I, I can't make it sound too strange. And now all of a sudden I noticed, yes, I can make it sound strange if I make it strange in the right way. And also like the general lo-fi-ness and, and, and a little bit of chaos. And I mean, I, I, I like controlled chaos, like battles do it, but Animal Collective is a different kind of chaos. So uh, here's, here's a little bit of fireworks by Animal Collective. So at, at the point where I discovered them, I was regular. I started regularly commuting for university and, and other stuff. So I listened to a lot of AC on the train and it's kind of my uh, chill out. I'm going to be sitting here for an hour song and music in general. And I can really just relax to it and listen to every aspect of it. And there's always something new to be found. Yeah, and last but not least, um, somewhere in between there, I kind of ventured in into some hip hop, not all of it, because I always, I always find, found it different to identify with a lot of hip hop. Uh, yeah, not cliches, but the culture in general. Usually the instrumental aspects I felt were too simple to my liking. And, um, yeah, the topics discussed usually and then usual lyrics. I don't know. I, I, <laughs> I don't have anything I can connect there with. Yeah. But yeah, along came Mike Skinner and does something completely different. Like his, his lyrics there, they, they show vulnerability and they can make you laugh. And the instrumentals are always interesting. Like they're always a little bit wonky and strange, <laughs> but then also very harmonic. And I know he does uh, most of it himself, or at least the earlier stuff, he did all of it himself. And also on like very lo-fi equipment. And I can always listen to the guy and, uh, 
Yeah, and he also gave me a lot of practice um, practicing my my fake British accent that I still <laughs> can't get away from. I'm really trying not to. Um, so here's just a little bit of Turn the Page by The Streets from the album Original Pirates Something Something. After six dark years, young bold soldiers, the fire burns, cracks and smolders. Five years older and wiser, the fires are burning on fire, never tire. Slay warriors in the forests and on higher. We sing, hear the strings rising, the war's over, the bells ring. Memories fading, soldiers slain, looks like geezers raving. The hazy fog over the ball ring, the lazy ways the birds sing. Something else Mike Skinner is really good at is that he tends to sometimes break the fourth wall in, in music. So uh, if you're not familiar with the term breaking the fourth wall, usually in movies or games, it's like addressing the viewer or the player directly and kind of acknowledging that this is a play, this is a movie or this is a game or something and kind of playing with the medium itself. And I think this is an example of it where, he, where right at the line, he's, where he says, hear the strings rising. Actually, strings are rising in the background of the instrumentals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he, he does a lot of that stuff. And I kind of incorporated some of that also, where I play with line endings and, and uh, rhythmic uh, yeah, um, pronunciation at certain parts to, to kind of mark something lyrically. Yeah, and also like lyric wise, he makes lyrics about everyday problems, which although most of them didn't directly apply to me at the time, they, uh, I, I noted down here, it made me realize that every card that uh, has been dealt to you can be played with somehow. And uh, mm -hmm. no matter what the problem is. And as I said, I deal with re really mundane problems, which I wouldn't write songs about, but he does as well. And he manages to do so. So um, kind of an inspiration also lyric wise. Great, great, good stuff. So tell me about your choices. So I've made four choices and they're they're all pretty melancholy and they're all pretty stripped down. And I don't want to give the impression that I like only like stuff that's very stripped down and sad. Um, but these are some of my most favorite tunes of all time. And uh, the first one would be a, a song called Happy Birthday by Sufjan. This was off his very first record. It's very lo-fi. Um, it was before anyone knew about Chicago or his Michigan album. Any of that stuff had happened. And uh, this song, I think, exemplifies what he, he remains good at to this day, whether he's building giant marching bands or going into crazy synth land or, or uh, doing stuff with orchestras, is that he, he has a way of very simply connecting through, through story or through um, just describing... And uh, this song is kind of just achingly vulnerable and delicate. And um, let's just listen to a little bit of Happy Birthday. Great pair of more and sweet. I'm happy 
There was something about his his way of using that single finger picking line that never changes the entire song, and uh, he changes his melody and the you know he the the lyrics change, but uh, something about that removal of distraction so that he could just impact you with uh, the theme of this tune that you know this is one of the first things I ever heard that he had had made and uh, I was like oh this is special this is someone that I, I'm gonna watch and pay attention to um, so that's that's my little share of a song that you know even if for people who know some of Sufjan Stevens more famous songs this may be one that you've never heard um, so it's a deep cut. It's a deep cut. Fresh <laughs> cuts. Um, <laughs> another very melancholy tune that's stripped down and doesn't have a lot of ornamentation would be uh, from this group that consistently make, they have, you know, decades of stuff. They've been around since the, you know, the late 80s, I think. Um, the Innocence Mission. Um, and the track is called One for Sorrow, Two for Joy. And it's, a, it's another song that... Um, just emotionally I can connect with and I, I can, uh, I, I'm asking the same questions the song is asking and I'm enjoying the way they've beautifully put it together as art. Um, so, and you know, in addition to the, the lyrics, just the, the, the gorgeous instrumentation of this song. So let's play one for sorrow, two for joy. Yeah, that's that's nice. Uh, <laughs> um, continuing the, the 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 downward spiral, the the sad, not not the nine inch nails, but um, um, some some more melancholy music. Um, a, a film that came out in the two thousands that pretty much devastated me in a good way. Just a, a very very sad film, but one that is uh so good at what it's doing is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, and uh, you know. Tremendous writing, tremendous performances by Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet, but the music of this movie is uh, almost as big a character as anyone else and uh, really, really carries some of the scenes. Um, this was directed by Michelle Gondry, who's famous for his music videos. And, uh, you know, there's lots of amazing visual stop motion, crazy sets, crazy camera tricks that he's known for. And uh, pairing that with an equally expressive and um, artful soundtrack is Joan Brion. And uh, he has lots of tracks, lots of little piano compositions. And through different parts of the movie, um, you end up in uh, Jim Carrey's childhood or in different stages of his life, kind of getting a peek at you know, life as a baby with his mom or as a little kid and um, crying in the neighborhood or whatever, just lots of different little moments. And uh, there's this track called Phone Call that um, I latched onto. You know, I like the whole soundtrack, but this track hits some magical lo-fi moody space that is like just so perfect. Um, so let's just listen to Phone Call. 
there's something about the the dissonant picking there there's a, a yeah some notes right next to each other on the scale but it works so perfectly in this song um so wiping some tears from my eye there's one more sad song i'd like to share <laughs> and uh really i don't only listen to sad music but um there was there's another film so while i'm on a film soundtrack kick um this film was amelie it came out in 2003 a lot of people know about it it's a good film um i i think i've actually only ever seen it once and i've never felt like i had to go watch the movie again even though i don't i can't think of anything i didn't like about it um but i this is another film where i feel like the soundtrack possibly overshadows the movie itself even if it's a good movie and uh this is a Jan Tiersen did the composing and you know, everything I've heard from this guy is just magical and, and beautiful and full of bouncy delight. And he writes lots of very, very happy stuff. But of course this is one of the sadder tracks from Amelie. And, uh, there's, you know, this is, it sounds like it could be two people on the piano playing this, but of course, since he's actually a good piano player, um, this, this is, uh, this composition is just gorgeous and dances around with different rhythms a lot. And so let's listen to, I can't even pronounce the name of this track, Home Team Doing Ultra at the, I'm just going to let that stand. So cue the YouTube comment. I've heard those four chords before. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just saw the uh, YouTube comment here. Can I use this in my short film? <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, the guy, so this is on this YouTube channel. It's it's not the guy who wrote the song. Uh, he doesn't own the song. He just covered it, which is okay. I mean, but uh, I, I would I would probably ask the original composer for that <laughs> yeah and it's probably encumbered by a rights organization where even the composer yeah. may not be able to give right. you permission um so the, you know there's a tour down some you know admittedly all in a s sort of a single category you had a little more eclectic variety to your choices but I just picked lots of moody sad tracks but you know these these are all songs that even the very first time i heard them i just knew like this is going to be a song i carry with me probably the rest of my life and uh you know i still get a lot out of hearing these songs and listening to them and uh so it's it's fun to you know we wouldn't do this every episode, but to take a moment and just kind of have a, a sharing explosion of songs that really matter to that us. That way I get an explosion. You always do this. <laughs> Everything has to... I'm basically the Michael Bay of music critics. <laughs> <laughs> so another chapter I wanted to throw into this uh, for this episode yeah. was for us to also share something we've made. And uh, uh, I think since I just shared a whole bunch of songs, I think you should take this first. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I can carry it over with the with the word explosion. So um, uh, the song that I picked or the creation that I picked is a song that I'm to this day very proud of uh, from a composition standpoint. It's um, the last track of uh, the album Letters, Icicles by The Astray. Um, I wrote this song, I wrote the first half of this song in early 2010, I believe. And then I got stuck with it. Like I didn't know where to go. And what I had to this point was great. I loved it, but I knew that there had to be something else out there. I, I couldn't just stop the uh, the song at this point. And so like a half a year later, I just put on the song. I, I turned on the guitar amp and just played around with it. And out of nowhere came this guitar solo. Now, I, I'm not a guitar solo guy. I, I played some solos in Salt Disguise, but I'm usually not the guy who enjoys a lot of guitar solos or plays guitar solos himself so that kind of came out of nowhere that the guitar solo would save this one song for me and um apart from that the song there's only one part of the song that's really uh, a four four like a common uh, time signature like everything else just plays around with some very crooked time signatures so this, this guitar solo is also um on top of a seven quarter time signature and after the solo, it just explodes. So there you go. There you have the explosion <laughs> where um, everything is so loud after the solo and drowns out the vocals. Like I, I talked about this, that I usually mix the vocals very quietly. And at this spot, especially I, you, you had the same words, like it, they are the same words from the chorus. So, you know, the lyrics, if you hear them, even if you hear them quietly, you know, what's being sung. So that was the perfect alibi to just mix them really lowly. Uh, to to kind of have this overwhelming effect of um, everything's drowning out the vocals and you can't help it. So um, here's just a little part of, of uh, Icicles, like the transition from the solo to the, yeah, to the outro part. To this day, I, I'm really proud of the effect of everything just getting really loud at this point, and uh, it, it's really closing the album. Like afterwards, you couldn't have put anything else I, in my mind. So that's really like the last minute or the last two minutes of, of the whole record. Um, I, I like to use the phrase "I'm not a guitar solo guy." Um, my answer is like you got to start listening to more Dinosaur Junior, and then part of you will be a, a guitar <laughs> solo guy. Um, no, that's great. Um, the song I, I decided to share was uh, an example of before I had good mics, before I knew anything that I was doing with 
Logic. I think this was actually recorded on one of those all-in-one multi-track things that could burn a CD for you. And uh, I think it was a Korg D12. Um, and uh, this was a track that uh, I, I wrote with a friend, Jesse Escunce, who uh, I don't get to see very often anymore. He actually lives in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and uh, th- this was a track we, we co-composed for a, a short film of my brother's called Crutches, which was about a guy who fakes... Um, his injury and, and just starts using crutches and enjoys the perks of society of people opening doors for him. And, you know, you can be late to class because, hey, man, you know, I'm struggling here and just sort of starts like, taking advantage of the system. Um, but this was like a, a whimsical waltz, um, you know, not, not uninfluenced by movies like Amelie and Wes Anderson and all this stuff that had very whimsical and, and fun. Um, compositions, Mark Motherbaugh's work, uh, also being important to me. Um, and this was kind of a breakthrough of, um, you know, I had written lots of MIDIs and done lots of, you know, computer based, uh, composing. And I also had always been playing guitar and drums and stuff, but I had not quite put something together like this with real instruments before. Um, not to this level. And so this track was, uh, you know, chord progressions that, you know, violated traditional scales and then go all over the place. And it just felt like, oh yeah, you can do weirder, different things with music. And so this, this is kind of representative of me growing up a little bit and, and writing music. So let's, let's play it on the track for some reason is called Cuando Quieras Ven Conmigo. So yeah, it just keeps dancing around different keys in different different places musically. Um, uh, and I guess I would also share this track as before I had production chops that just because you record something and it doesn't sound professional, like professionally recorded, isn't a reason to stop playing music. Um, yeah. You can always improve your technique. Eventually you'll have some kind of disposable income to get better equipment. Um Never let gear be the reason you don't keep trying or keep keep making something. Definitely. I have to ask, um, the bass was a keyboard, right? Yes. Yeah. Kind of was following that and it had really deep low end, so it couldn't have been an acoustic guitar. Yeah. So let's close this episode of sharing music with sharing just some more music, like two more songs in our usual segment, Picks of the Week. So what was your pick of the week? So my pick of the week was by a group called the Luyas, and the, the song is Too Beautiful to Work. And this is kind of a pattern of my picks of the week recently, which are energetic, arpeggiated, um, 
sometimes electronic uh, um, explorations of rhythm. And this track is no different. Um, this is a song that has a very gorgeous and uh, I, th- I believe it's an e-piano. It's a Wurlitzer of some kind. Yes, um, yes. It's it's very staccato, very uh, tapped, very uh, very fast and rhythmic. And uh, there's a really interesting thing happening between the the drums, which kind of go four on the floor for much of the song, but the the rest of the song is is waltzing over this four on the floor. Um, and then sometimes it breaks into more of a straight beat, and uh, they, they just have a lot of fun with very staccato, very uh, almost harsh rhythm differences. And, uh, I could, this is the kind of song that I could imagine being in the live show, whether I knew the song before or not. And I could just lose my shit to this song probably if they've, if they performed it well and the sound system was good and loud. Um, I could, I would love to have this kind of song wash over me at a live show. Um, so with that build up, let's, let's just listen to a little bit of Lulia's. It speaks for itself. I don't need to say anything else about it. <laughs> Did you enjoy this one? Definitely. It instantly reminded me of, of a lot of math rock that I listened to. And I would say that this is actually math rock. It's just uh, very unusual to hear a female singer in math rock. So uh, it's it, it just blew me away. And um, I kind of accept it as a gift from from you to me. This <laughs> I'm going to listen to a ton of these, uh, to, to a ton of these artists uh, in the future. Um, yeah, right away I also thought this, uh, th- this could be like guitar tapping, like two guitars tapping sing, uh, in sync. Uh, I looked up a live video and yeah, it is, it, uh, it is a Wurlitzer. So, um, it doesn't make it any bad. It's still awesome. Like, uh, <laughs> but I actually thought that these were guitars. So, um, and yeah, it really has a high, uh, lose my shit factor. It's, uh, really danceable. I, um, I think at some point I will sit down and count the actual time signature of this, of the vocal part of the song and the melody part because it's really interesting. And some part of me wants to not do it and just keep it as like feeling the rhythm in the right way. But I, some part of me wants to know the time signature of this. <laughs> so what was your pick of the week? My pick of the week is Gem Club with the song Twins. And I think it kind of fits in the four picks that you had before on the show. Um, it's, it's a very, um, calm song. It has, it features mainly just the piano and vocals. And then after some, after a minute, some strings join the instrumentation and it's just simple and it's beautiful. So it, it's really simply beautiful and, um, very sad as well. So, um, if you're in a sad mood, um, this song might just bring you to tears. Um, so be careful while handling this song. Here <laughs> comes uh, Twins by Gem Club.
such, such a <laughs> tiny song and the reverb just makes it so large yeah and so. i mean by being composed of those few core pieces of the vocals the piano and eventually the strings um, those things do get to be large and in charge as it were in the song and uh, there is a a lot of room tone in the song in a good way you you feel like you're in the room with the instruments and uh, yeah, a lot of piano noise it very much surrounds you and uh, warmly embraces you <laughs> so while, while while you're in fetal position crying on your bed this song is like <laughs> a big hug like a blanket on you <laughs> Yeah, so I think this concludes our uh, saddest episode to date <laughs> and most melancholy episode to date. So what can people do now, Mike? Yeah, so look forward to maybe we'll do a happy episode in the future. Um, uh, we we collect all these songs, um, or at least our picks of the week will be going onto a Spotify playlist. So um, if you use Spotify, it's free on the desktop. It's a, it's a it's a good service. It's probably one of the better music services out there right now. Um, you can follow our playlist and you can always uh, see the new songs as, as we pick them each week um, for you. And uh, I think we've, we have a pretty good track record. I don't think there's any song in there that I regret adding yet. Nope. Um, so definitely follow our Spotify playlist. And where can you find that? We'll head to our show notes uh, for this episode at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 33 and uh, there will be a link to our spotify playlist as, as well as links to all the other songs we shared today and uh, we love feedback me and matt are both on twitter uh, all the time uh, you can tweet at us if you have songs you want to share or questions you want to ask uh, i'm at medwards music and matt you are at echolox e-c-h-o-l-o-x Awesome. And uh, the other thing you can do is you can subscribe to our show um, so that you get new episodes automatically. Um, if you're on iOS uh, using an iPhone, you can use the built-in podcast app or download one called overcast.fm. It's a good app. And then from there, you can search for bits and pieces or use the iTunes or RSS button on our website to subscribe. If you're on Android, you could use Podcast Addict or Pocket Casts are both good choices. One of them is free and one of them will cost you um, dearly. It'll cost you something important, maybe a few dollars. Um, you can support <laughs> us directly at Patreon. We have a Patreon campaign for our whole podcast network, Sunrise Robot. Uh, we have six different shows uh, from technology to the arts to interviews to uh, this show all about music. Uh, if you want to support this network so we can keep doing what we're doing, you can head to patreon.com slash sunrise robot. Uh, we'd like to give special thanks to our top Patreon supporters, Bruce Edwards and Andreas Langa. All right, we'll see you next week for the next episode. <laughs>